grateful to be here. I thank you for uh, providing such a, a kind, caring place. You know, it's, we're, in, we're instructed to not forsake the gathering. And this is just an awesome place. Uh, first service, this second service, I feel loved and cared for. So thank you for creating such a wonderful place. Um, you know, Dr. Miller alluded a little bit to um, my story, and we're missions weekend and evangelism, and I'll just kind of share with you. The last time I was in New York was probably 1995, and I was fishing a national championship bass fishing tournament on the Hudson River. And um, I, I need to get back a little bit more often. I really like it here. Um, so hopefully I'll be back soon. But basically, I was fishing that tournament, one of my first national championships, and there was a gentleman throughout the, the previous couple years that I would go to a tournament and, you know, you're in a hotel room, you're fishing for a couple days, and as I'd walk out of the hotel room, more than one time, he, he would have the hotel room next to me. And I kept running into this gentleman, and he was from Alabama. Well, we started to travel together and connect, and we were here in New York, and he ended up winning a fully rigged bass boat in New York. For He was the angler of the year, and then he at the award ceremony, had to give a speech. And I was just a beginner. I was like most fishermen. I thought I was a lot better than I really was. Well, he was actually really good. And he says to me, uh, you know, you, you helped um, me with a tip or a technique, and I didn't really think of anything of it, but in the awards ceremony, he was sharing how what I showed him that little tipper technique, he used that to win that boat. Well, you know, I was feeling pretty good then. I was like, yeah, he learned that from me. You know, I was kind of, you know, proud of that. But that whole thing about me chasing fishing, I had chased a lot of things. I, everything it seemed I got involved in, I wanted to go and just do it to the nth degree. And what I began to realize is that was my quest for significance. I wanted to be somebody. And really what it, it, you know, we fast forward to where I'm at now after I've come to Christ and been walking with him, I realized that that was one of the major insecurities in my heart is that I want to be somebody. And I think all of us have that. Today I'm going to talk about three main insecurities that we all deal with. One of them is significance. The second one is security. And the third one is acceptance. We all begin to tell ourselves what we need to do to be secure, to be accepted, and to be significant. And then we go after it with all of our might, all of our strength, and when people get in the way of that, we get mad. How many of you are married? Yeah. So that happens. We begin to tell ourselves what we need to do to be accepted, we make decisions based on that, what we need to do to be secure. I mean, this was a major contention. Uh, Dr. Miller talked about it in my marriage, uh, 22 years now, four children. There's a little tension. It's a hard job. I get to go away. My wife, Jennifer, she's the amazing one. She stays in it and keeps working through it. But when I come home, I step into that, and I have to navigate and say, okay, you know, when we first started out in our marriage, it was a great deal. She was a CPA, and she made all the money, and I was a fisherman, and I spent all the money. I'm like, this is good. 
But then God began to steer me and transform me. So he connected me to a fishing buddy who kept saying, well, yeah, you should come fish this tournament. And then a month after we're married in Wisconsin, he says, you know, you should move down to Alabama. You're good enough to fish with these guys. So then I was talking my wife into moving to Alabama so I could be a professional fisherman. And I was going there totally after that. And God said, well, Aaron, you're going to be a professional fisherman, just not quite how you think. Says when I when I got to Alabama, my my friend he'd say, "Hey, I'm going fishing. You want to go?" And I'd, "Yeah, I'd love to go fishing with you." And he would teach me, and he would invest in me. And one day, he says, "You know, you should come to church. You might meet some people." So I go to church. My wife Jennifer says, "Yes, we're going to church. I need to meet some people. You're down here fishing. I don't know anybody." And we go to church, and sure enough, God begins to speak through our pastor. The word of God begins to connect to my heart and I'm gripping onto the pews every Sunday like he is talking right to me. I I cannot wait till this gets over. I cannot take this any longer. And what was happening is the word of God is powerful and it was piercing my heart. And I was recognizing what I was chasing was all in my own power. But someone cared cared for me enough to keep inviting me keep coming back. And then finally, my friend Phil says, hey, we're doing this discipleship thing. It's once a week. You come over to the house, we have dinner, and then I kind of teach you what I'm learning about the Bible so you'll know it. And I said, okay, that'd be good. And Jennifer's like, yes, we're going because I need to meet some people and connect with his wife. And so couples, we got together and we started doing that. And the first night I remember I said, you know, I can't step into this and start calling myself a Christian because I know I'm a fake. And that's been one of the biggest things that pushed me away from Christianity, from religion in general. I just didn't see real people there. And I felt like I had it figured out. I felt like I knew what I was doing. And, you know, there was a lot of pride in me, but God was really working on my heart. But I knew I couldn't go forward as a fake. So I told him the first night... Yes, let's do this, but I think I need to get saved. So my first night of discipleship was me giving my life to Christ. So that's how it all started. And then it was kind of cool because when my buddy Phil said, you want to go fishing after that, it was, let's go talk to our other fishing buddies. Fishing changed for me. It wasn't about me and my will. It was about his will. And Phil taught me through the Bible what I needed to do to understand the will of the Father. And he just said, he just invited me in to his adventure of following Christ. And I think that's what I'm learning about evangelism. It's really just about being willing to let the gospel transform you. And as you go, invite people into that mystery. It's not about managing relationships and putting a notch in our belt that I led this person to Christ and this person and and look how many people. No, it's about, Lord, transform me and work through me. As I do your will, I want to invite people into that mystery, into that adventure.
So that's what God's teaching me through Center Shot. I took over in January, and it was pretty crazy. Lots of fires to put out. By August, we got most of those put out, and me and the team, we were able to go away for a retreat, and we started just praying, say, okay, Lord, we got the fires put out. What do you want to see happen around the world through Center Shot? And he was extremely clear. It was all about walking in the light. Just uh, a week or two ago, as I was praying what to share, God was really putting on my heart. Aaron, you're talking about evangelism, but here's what's happening in our church and our culture. We have insecure people talking to other insecure people about how they need Jesus. But these insecure people know the truth, and they're talking about Jesus to these people, and these people are waiting to see how the truth is going to transform them. So tell the insecure people on this side to really start walking in the light and let that transform, and it will illuminate this whole principle for everyone else. Does that make sense? So I got a little uh, uh, example here. My assistant, thank you, sir, for that. Uh, so I always feel better when my bow is in my hand. It's a little bit, uh, makes me feel comfortable. My insecurities go away. This is a center shot bow. This has been made for a while. This is the Genesis original. This is, it originally was called the wordless bow, kind of to match up with the wordless bracelet or wordless soccer ball. The colors tell a story. But when I saw it, it was like, wait a minute, it's all about the word. Why do we call it the wordless? So we've renamed it. This is the center shot life bow because it gives life. I want to share this with you. These top limbs are black. They're separated. It's a picture of our condition in sin. We are separated from God, and sin is actually an archery term. When the archers would shoot in the old times, and they would launch the arrows, there was a spotter, and the spotter would yell, mark, if you hit the mark, and they would yell, sin, if you miss the mark. That's where it comes from. So archery, these top limbs tell us we're in sin, we're separated from God, and we miss the mark. And then you move to the riser. Now, a riser on a bow is the most important part. The riser is where everything is connected to. It has all of the power, all of the forgiveness. Everything depends on the riser. This riser represents another type of riser, the one who rose on the third day. He's a riser. And when we fall down, he's a riser. The songs we just sang about, he's the one. It's through his power. He gives you rest. This is your arrow rest. Anything that touches this riser turns white as snow. His forgiveness that he offers cleanses us and makes us holy so that this sin problem goes away. Then we move to the bottom limbs here. They're blue. They represent the living water. We're being discipled and baptized. We're, it's a picture of what's happened here. We now get to see and learn about baptism as our first step of obedience. And then we move to this green cam. This cam is a compounding cam. This is a compound bow. It takes your strength and compounds it. We like to call that the God factor. When we start to open our heart and say, okay, God, I, I need you to come in and change me. I need you to step into this situation. There is a compounding factor because he is able. Amen? So as we grow and learn the Word of God, that we move to this string, and it's represented, it's blue and gold, blue and yellow, and it represents the Holy Spirit 
in the Word of God. And as that becomes part of our life, intertwined with how we think, how we act, we're learning the ways of Christ. We're learning what the Word says becomes intertwined in our life. It moves us to the gold wheel, our home in heaven, in the streets of gold. So this whole story is pretty amazing. And it's right here. You know, when you shoot a bow, you don't just grip and hold the riser and, and, and try to control it. You just have to receive it and draw it to you. That's how you shoot. We teach the kids and everyone who learns to shoot, you start with this cross. You move your finger to the corner of your mouth. It's the same exact place on every single person. That's your anchor point. So we're learning to to teach kids and adults how to make Christ the target of their life. This is the tool that we use. Before uh, the last previous five years, this bow was just kind of sitting around. It wasn't really being used effectively. We, we maybe sent less than 100 around the world the previous five years. When we went away to our retreat that I was talking about, and we said, okay, this is the power of the gospel sitting right here. We've got to figure out how to release this. How do we do this? God said, I want you to create a story, write a curriculum, and then teach leaders how to share this. So we said, okay. That was in August. We said, we're going to create LEDs, loving environment developers, and we're going to teach them how to do this. They're going to walk in the light, be powered by the sun, S-O-N. So we started creating all that in August. As of right now, we have orders for 20,000 of these to go around the world. Isn't that amazing? What's incredible about that is it's, it's high school kids. A lot of them are high school kids right here in the United States that are saying, hey, I shoot archery at school. I use that bow. Could I get one of those bows? Yeah. Yeah, you could. In fact, we would love to help you and guide you how to be an LED to walk in the light, be powered by the sun. An LED means that you are aware that there are five environments that you get to lead in. Your first environment that you get to be a loving developer in is your personal relationship with God. And that's where you are saying, okay, Lord Jesus, this is my morning time with you, my evening time, but I'm going to create an environment where I'm just going to love on you. I'm going to praise you. I'm not going to ask you to, to do everything for me in this time. I'm just going to say, Lord, this is for me to love on you freely. And as I've started doing that, it's been transforming it's starting to feed my soul in a way. You know, I've been a Christian a long time now, and sometimes your morning time, you get in, you read your word, and you pray, and you kind of get stuck in a, in a rut there, in a rotation. Well, I want to tell you, create that environment where you are freely loving on Jesus, and your soul will be refreshed. That's the first environment. You can be a loving environment developer. The second one is in your family. God gave us a will to obey and a spouse, and a family to love. So it's with your spouse. It's with your kids. It's with your siblings. It's with your parents. And it's not usually what you're saying. It's how you're saying it. 
When we look at developing a loving environment at home, we rarely are running into really bad things that we've said. But where everybody's buttons get pushed, it's how it's being said and the tone. And when I'm starting to think, you know what, I'm going to be a loving environment developer, I've had to catch myself almost every day going, okay, I'm sorry I said it that way. I was really just meaning this. And I had to make it right. But that's changing the environment in our home. That's another way to be a loving environment developer. Now that's becoming genuine in my life. The next place is in your work. God gave us a will to obey, a spouse to love, a family to love, and a work to do. In your work, that's your first mission field. I want to tell you, if you start to view your workplace as a loving environment that you get to develop, you get to develop with, with your coworkers, with your customers, with your boss, with your employees, everyone will notice that that place has light and not darkness. That will transform your business. That will transform your workplace. If you become a loving environment developer in the workplace, God will bless you. Your influence will rise. And you will begin to lead in new ways in that place. The fourth place to be a loving environment developer in LED is in your local community, at your local church, stepping into this place. You have an amazing opportunity right here, and the potential is incredible. You are right on God's heartbeat. Keep going. Keep stepping in. Keep looking for ways to serve and to make a difference. Look at how you can get involved. you got amazing missionaries right here that are doing incredible things. They're right on God's heartbeat. Join in with them. That's a, another great place that you'll be blessed. You'll have an opportunity to see God working through you. The, the fifth and final environment that we all share is our hobbies. That's how I came to Christ. I came to Christ through my fishing. It was my idol, but it was my buddy. It was his hobby. And he allowed there to be space for me in that place. So I just want to encourage you, even in your hobbies, Allow there to be space. Invite people in to your hobby that maybe don't know Christ. That's a great place to have fun, to connect, and then just be prepared to give an answer. Love them well. So that's the five LED environments that we are sharing and teaching, and I think all of us will be able to um, take those strategically now, step by step, just work into that. Make it part of your life. Here's the problem that I run into. I'll take that and I'll say, okay, five things, I'm going to do it. And then I start to do it all in my strength. And then it gets clouded with all of my insecurities. I go right back to that. It's like a cycle. It just goes right back to it. Here's what I want to share with you today, the last thing. How do we move out of that drivenness, empowering ourselves and really turn it over and say okay Jesus I realize I have a need for security a need for acceptance and a need for significance I realize I've been trying to manufacture that I want to let that down and I want you to be completely 
meeting those needs. How do I do that? The antidote for those three things and how we manufacture that, there's three things. I want to share that with you from Scripture. The first one comes to us from Hebrews. I think we have that on the screen here. So Hebrews 11. All right, Hebrews 11. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards them who earnestly seek him. The number one thing to start to work against these insecurities is when we say, okay, Jesus, I am going to lead proactively. I'm going to earnestly seek you. I'm going to ask for your help in all of the environments that I'm in, and I'm going to ask for your help, and by faith, I'm going to trust that you can do this. That's where you've got to start. So the first one is lead proactively. The second one, the scripture will be from John, is love unselfishly. I'm pretty good at loving when there's expectations that will be met. Any other guy in here? Yeah. But when I'm trying to love unselfishly, that's a little tougher for me. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus came to do the will of the Father, and he's going to love well through that. My problem is I'm usually not free to love unselfishly. I have to go to Jesus and say, this is only going to happen, Jesus, if you do this in me. I need you to help me to love unselfishly. So I'm going to lead proactively, and I'm going to love unselfishly. And the final one comes to us from Luke. Luke chapter 6, verse 37. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given unto you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured unto you. We need to lead proactively. We need to love unselfishly, and we need to forgive freely. When you're carrying those three things into every environment that you're going to develop, powerful things will begin to happen. So when you're tempted to manufacture your own security, your own acceptance, your own significance, okay, Jesus, I can't, I can't go there again. I have to go to you. Will you help me lead proactively in this situation? Will you help me forgive freely? And will you help me love unselfishly? That's the change. What begins to happen is transformation in your own heart. And that story, that adventure of where God will take you from there will begin to draw and attract people to go with you. And evangelism will be flourishing in your life. Jesus walked through his life. As he went, he just didn't talk about evangelism. 
He stepped into environments and created a loving environment where he believed in people and said, you want to come with me? I'm going fishing. You want to go? So that's where we're at. Genuinely and honestly stepping into every environment that we go through and simply saying, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. Those people around me, you want to go fishing? Let's go. Come with me. To me, that's what we're hearing all around the country, all around the world. The people that are seeing transformation in their environments are simply walking in the light. The insecurities are a picture of darkness in us. They cloud our strength and power. Let them go. Walk in the light, be powered by the sun, and let Jesus begin to flow through you in amazing ways. Can I pray for you?